Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's a good day to study about a prophet underwater. Got your Bible there, the book of Jonah. We are in chapter 2 today, actually chapter 1, verse 17, and then through chapter 2. Of course, that last verse, verse 17, goes with the chapter 2. Um, whoever did the uh, verses um, uh, left one out there, because chapter 1, verse 17 ought to be there in chapter 2. So today we're going to look at salvation being God's business. Salvation being God's business. JB, I'm so glad that you are getting a good rating from Kathy. All right? Very important, you're right. Because you're probably two steps from the doghouse, all right? So we're, we're glad. Boy, what a wonderful group. And uh, I appreciate y'all so much. And last Sunday, I just uh, had the thrill of my life to teach and to baptize and to preach. I did everything but lead the choir. <laughs> and I can do that too. So uh, anyway, had a wonderful day, a glorious day. Thank you for praying for Pam and I. We flew out on Sunday afternoon and got back Wednesday night. And I was telling folks that um, uh, the pastor of the church there has been pastor there 40 years. He came to First Baptist Church in Davenport when he was 24. He's 64 now. And can you imagine that? 40 years. And a great, great church. And they are taking uh, 136, I think, uh, students to camp this week. So very, very good church. Well, today the book of Jonah, chapter 2, and beginning in chapter 1, verse 17. Have you ever heard the expression, you're in my business? How many have said that? <laughs> A lot of us have. Or, mind your own business. Get your nose out of my business. Well, when it comes to salvation, salvation is God's business. And so I want to begin here today. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Well, when a man catches a fish, that's a big deal. When a fish catches a man, that's a bigger deal. But the best story of Jonah is that God caught his prophet. And God caught Jonah. And we find that the business of salvation, God has a way of saving his people God has a way of bringing us back to Him. I uh, heard the story about a skeptic that was really skeptical about the book of Jonah. And uh, 
this uh, old skeptic said, how do you know that it was a whale that swallowed Jonah? The preacher responded, I don't know, but when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. The critic responded, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And then the preacher said, well, then you ask him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Aren't you glad that the timely answer is from the Lord? Could Jonah have been swallowed by a fish and survived? Well, the answer is yes. God provide a foam blubber mattress for Jonah. And on that mattress down in the belly of the fish, God kept his prophet alive. Well, you know, Jesus believed it. Matthew chapter 12, verses 40 through 41, Jesus said Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And so as we hear the words of the Lord, we know it's true. God is the God of salvation. He is in the saving business. And it doesn't matter how far we run, how far we go. God knows exactly where we are. In the deepest, darkest valley, God knows where to find us. So, we're going to look at three things here today. Number one, we find that we will be disciplined when we sin. In chapter 1, verse 17, God appointed, God commanded a fish to go and swallow Jonah. I, I like that. God commands His creation. God created one fish with a big, giant, prophet appetite. And this fish was on its way to swallow Jonah. Now, I, I tell you, you can read scientific books and, you know, some commentators, they want to talk about, well... You know, a fish could survive or a man could survive in a fish and all this. I want to tell you, it comes down to God's Word. And God simply said it, and therefore we believe it. The fish was ordained by God. Now, there are some that say the fish was there to punish Jonah. No, no. The fish was there to save Jonah. God was in the saving business. Now, let me lay this on you. Come close and listen, alright? <laughs> you and I will never know all that God does 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, every single day of the year, just to keep us safe and to keep us safe. We'll never know. <clears throat> Pam and I last uh, Sunday got to the airport and, and uh, got to the airport, looked at the chart, and I thought, oh no, 
I looked up there and our flight was 15 minutes delayed. And I said, man, I know what that means. 15 minutes turns into 30 minutes, turns into 45 minutes. I, I've been there and done that. So I went to the front desk, went to the counter. I said, that plane out there right now, where is it going? They said, well, it's going to Charlotte. And that's where I was heading later on. I said, you got two seats on it? Well, I think we do. I said, tell them not to shut the door. <laughs> Grab those two seats for us. And so we got on that plane and did not have to worry about delay. And boy, wasn't that lucky. No, it wasn't lucky. It was a God kind of thing. God prepares a fish, a plane, a car, a train. God prepares what we need to give us transportation. I believe that. Now, it was also discipline. And we find here in this story, God had to discipline a rebellious prophet. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 5 through 8 talk about discipline. I want you to look at that in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. Look at that in your Bible. Kirby, I know you got that up there. Would you read that for I us? Got it. <laughs> read it. Hebrews 12, 5 through what? 8. You have forgotten. Which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, or which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Yeah, and some of the other translations use a very, very strong word there. Talking about being illegitimate. And so we find that God reveals his love for you and I. When he gives us discipline, God prepares our discipline. We find this back in Jonah 1, verses 14 through 16. You know, Jonah got thrown overboard. <clears throat> Part of the discipline. Jonah went into the sea, bobbing up and down like a cork behind the boat. Part of his discipline. And then the fish comes. Part of his discipline. Well, God also is precise in his discipline. <laughs> How long was Jonah in the belly of the fish? Three days. Why not four? Why not 24 hours? I'll tell you why. Because God is precise in his discipline. God knows how long to keep us in the fire. God knows how long to keep us in a trial. Trials come and trials go. 
You know, there's morning in the evening, but joy comes in the morning. And so we find God is precise in that. Now, you can read commentaries that say, well, it wasn't really three days. Maybe it was, you know, symbolic. I, I think it was three days. I think it was three days and three nights, just like the Lord in the tomb. As a good father, God wishes to be gentle with discipline. But God has a lot of ways that He can discipline His children. So here's the bottom line. We will be disciplined when we sin. You cannot be rebellious and not face the wrath and judgment of God. All right, we've got to move on. Number two, second truth today. We should be distressed when we sin. Distressed. Now, chapter 2 contains a long prayer. In fact, the prayer goes in verses 2 through 9. I'm amazed when you look at this prayer, all of the personal pronouns that are in this prayer. Now, Jonah is praying because he is in distress. God had his attention. If we cry out, God will hear us. Now let's look here at chapter 2. And let me read verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. Well, Jonah says, I feel like I'm in the place of the grave. Jonah says, I am crying out from Sheol. The word cry that you find here, uh, the first word for cry, it's a word for crying out in childbirth. Ladies, you know what that's like? It's not the cry of a soft cry. It's the cry of agony. I, I remember one time I was about 20 years of age and before I was married and, and you know back then I, I visited the hospitals and uh, I was pastor of a church and there's a lady, her name was Robin and, he, and she had a husband named uh, uh, Kent and so they, they were there in the lobby, the whole family was there and and you know, back in those days, uh, a lot of the husbands didn't go back there into the birthing area. And so I was out there holding the dad's hand. And uh, pretty soon a nurse came to the door and kind of knocked on the door and, and said, uh, she wants you. And I looked at her husband. And the nurse said, no, she don't want him. She wants you. And pointed to me. And I said, Dear Jesus, I, I don't know nothing about birth of no baby. I went back there. And she is screaming bloody murder. She's using, well, I'll just she's using profanity, all right. <laughs> 
She's calling her husband every name in the book. And then she stops and she says, Oh, pastor, would you pray for me? She grabbed my hand. And, and she started squeezing. I started going down. Man, she had a grip on me. Jonah cried like that out of his distress. So the Bible says, I called out, that's the word, called out of childbirth. Then you find this other word here at the end, I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. And that word for cry is the chirping of a bird. It's a bird that's hungry. A bird that wants that worm and is chirping and crying out. In other words, it's a cry for God to hear and God to answer. In verses 2 through 9, 25 personal pronouns are found there. Well, we need to count the cost. I want to read verses 3 through 6. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me, All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Now, in counting the cost, here's what Jonah described. Jonah said, I'm in a place where there are bars around me. I'm in a place out of the sight of God. Jonah said, I'm I'm in a dark, deep hole. And I cannot see any light. Have you been there? Oh, you have. may not be in the belly of a fish, but you've been in the belly of debt. Or you've been in the belly of divorce. Or you've been in the belly of cancer. But you've been there, haven't you? Now I want to tell you that when you and I get distressed, we have a loving faithful, benevolent, kind God to call out to. Well, I've got to move on. Third and last. Third truth that we find, we can be delivered when we sin. And that's verses 6 through 10. I read verse 6. Let me go ahead and read 7 through 10. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Now listen to this next statement. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. 
Now, why was Jonah swallowed by the great fish? Let me give you four reasons. Number one, salvation from drowning. That fish was a lifeguard. Salvation from drowning. Number two, transportation to Nineveh. out there hitching a ride. It was God's taxi cab, alright? It was the what? What was that? The, the Uber of the day, alright? It was also education from God. Do you think Jonah thought about what God was trying to teach him down there? You bet he did. And then I like this fourth one recommissioning recommissioning from God returning retooling when Jonah confessed his sin God provided cleansing he believed that God still had a plan for his life he believed that God was the God of a second chance well I believe that too Deliverance from sin is a spiritual matter. But it's also a physical matter. Isn't it amazing how that when we sin, it affects our body? Someone told me last Sunday, they said, they'd never seen someone with more joy in preaching. I, I do. I enjoy preaching. I, I love it. I love it more than life. But I tell you, when you're out of God's will, you are sour, you are grumpy, you are discontented, you are grouchy, you are good for nothing. <laughs> it's true. Well, Jonah discovered that salvation is all about a personal God who knows us in a personal way. Years ago, they were redoing the Baptist hymnal. And you know, every time they redo the Baptist hymnal, they, you know, back years ago, we used to use hymn books. Y'all remember that? <laughs> but, but, you know, they would redo the Baptist hymnal. There, there's a 1940 edition. There's 1958 edition, 1975 edition, 1991 edition, on and on. And so they redo the Baptist hymnal every once in a while. Well, they always form a committee. And the committee gets together and decides this hymn will be in there, this hymn will not be in there. And they try to add some new hymns and they always take out some of the older standard hymns. And there, there was one hymn that uh, in 1991 when they redid the Baptist hymnal they were going to take out. Russell Dilday was on the committee. And the hymn they wanted to take out was a hymn called In the Garden. And some highbrow theologian said, well, that is an egocentric hymn. I'll tell you, a guy like that needs to be horse with. <laughs> You know, back in Oklahoma, a guy like that, we just strip him buck naked and run him in front of our car for a few miles. <laughs> but anyway, 
you think about that, all right? But anyway, Russell Dilday spoke up and said, yeah, it is a egocentric hymn, kind of like Psalm 23. He walks with me. He talks with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Aren't you glad we got a personal God? Aren't you glad that we can sing in the garden He is there? I come to the garden alone, but we don't stay alone because He walks with us and He talks with us. I'm on preaching ground, I know. And He tells us that we are His own. Oh man, I'm glad that we have a personal God. Let me close by telling you this story real quick. I, uh, I'm not a chess player. I've tried it a few times and I am terrible at it. Anybody here play chess? Yeah, some of you? Man, God bless you. I, I tell you, I, I'm just not any good at it. I know the moves. I know how to move. You know, I know which way a rook moves, a knight moves, a queen, the king, and so on, pawns, but I'm just not any good at it. But I heard that an expert chess player, a chess master, can see 30 moves in advance. So when you move one time, in their mind, they can see 30 moves ahead. That means they got you beat (laughs) after that first move. 30 moves ahead. If that's true, with a master chess player, how much more so is it true with God? Does God see you and I 30 moves ahead? Yes. Does God see you and I 30 days ahead? Yes. Does God see you and I 30 years ahead? Yes. Does God see us 30,000 years into eternity? The answer is yes. Praise His name. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Father, thank You for the enthusiasm that we ought to have for Your Word. God, I am so glad that You're the God of salvation. Thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a wonderful day.